Am I on? You can all hear me? Good, good. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and glad that you could make it and be with us here today. And, um, wow, now I, I can hear it now. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to Greater Alton Church. Um, again, if it's your first time here, hey, we're just glad you, you come and checking us out. We hope that you'll go away uh, helped and encouraged, you know, and stay away. I didn't say stay away. Wow, the ladies are excited. Um, let's see. Let's see. What was I thinking? You know, I was reading this morning about um, in, in the daily text, and I'm trying to work out the bugs in it, uh, this daily text. Some of you got some text real late at night, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, did you get this? I said, and someone says, what is this? Uh, sorry. But I sent out a daily text. We're going through the Bible right now, and, and we've, we've doing it, been doing it uh, four years in a row now. And if you'd like to read a little bit about what the daily text is about, just look at it online at our website at greateraltonchurch.com. But uh, this morning, uh, .org, org, sorry, uh, we're organized, org, okay. Uh, one of the things that um, I thought was interesting this morning was a reading where Jesus is at the temple courts, and the, it says the blind could, were, were coming and the lame, and while they were there, Jesus was healing the blind and the lame. The blind were beginning to see, the lame were beginning to walk, and uh, it says that children were excited and were shouting and praises to God. Children were. And I thought, boy, that doesn't describe church around here. As soon as church is out, man, the kids are running all over the place, jumping up and down, and they're just excited. And, I just, and it says that the Pharisees became indignant. Isn't that something? The Pharisees got bothered. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I thought what an atmosphere that the temple had that particular day when Jesus was there because... People were coming and they were getting what they needed. And that's what I'm hoping you're going to get this morning as we start this new series, that maybe you're coming in a little blind today. I don't know what. I, I can't see very well today, Tim. I can't see God's love going on in my life. I can't see my purpose very well. or I just have lost my way. Well, God wants, I want you to know God wants to help you see today. Maybe you've come in with a little limp. Maybe you're just not walking like with a spring in your step and you've had a tough, a tough week. God wants you to leave with a spring in your step, okay, church? So we have reason to rejoice because it's here at Greater Alton. I believe that we come where we find God's power to heal. Find God's power to heal whatever's broken in your life. So I, I hope that when you leave today uh, that you will leave different and uh, encouraged by, by the things that you hear and experience here today. Uh, you're, if you're a first-time guest, we want you to know you can get a free CD of today's lesson. Just go into the Welcome Center and say, hey, Tim says I get a free lesson, and you can get this lesson today. Or you can listen to it at greateraltonchurch.org. Uh, also, uh, you'll notice inside your bulletin several things. or some notes there. You can follow along. There's a list of groups. We're starting a, a Resolving Everyday Conflict series today, and our small groups are meeting as well all over the place. You see a list of those in your bulletin. Uh, Gina Law wanted me to point out that her group is meeting on Thursday, not uh, on Mondays, but it's meeting on Thursdays, and she wants you to make a note of that in case you're wanting to go to a group there in the Edwardsville, Glen Carbon area. But we're starting this series today, and uh, we're looking at how to resolve everyday conflict. I don't know about you. Well, I think I do know about you, because you're like me. Um, conflict is happening all the time. Yeah. You, you put two compatible people together, let them get married and see how long that lasts, right? They start to have 
issues. They start having conflict, okay? They say opposites attract. Opposites also make a lot of spark. And, and it's true. In relationships and in every day, we, we face lots of conflict. And so I'm looking forward uh, that, to get this series started. But I want to encourage you to look at uh, for a small group. And in case you don't want to pick a small group to meet, we meet here. We're going to be meeting here on Wednesday nights for those that would like to meet on a Wednesday night. Uh, here at 7 o'clock, either Gary or Alan will be helping you through that material. I mentioned something about the ladies earlier. Good morning, ladies. And uh, how was the retreat? Wow. I got to, I got to go to the retreat. Uh, for just a, I did a cameo appearance. I, I, my wife put me to work. And, you know, and they say happy wife, happy life. So I made sure I brought what she told me to bring. And uh, I was setting those things up. And the ladies were so welcoming. What are you doing here? This is for women, not for men. Kind of reminded me of high school. All the rejection I had in high school. <laughs> Great, you know. But uh, I went across the street to the restaurant, The Egg and I. Uh, what a different name. Best salad I've ever had in my life at The Egg and I. But uh, again, ladies, uh, it was, uh, I got to listen through the walls. I tried. I got on each side of that conference room trying to listen. I could not hear a thing. I was snooping. So finally, I'm between the double doors and listening to the crack. And then someone opened the door. Uh, that wasn't fun. But uh, what a group. The biggest group of ladies we've had go to a ladies retreat in five years. It was a very exciting. Yeah. You know, uh, very exciting. And, and I heard very emotional weekend. And, um, and you, you're probably, uh, we, we got an oak tree that uh, Denise and I purchased uh, and, and brought it to the ladies retreat. That was my assignment. And you all put your pictures on that. You took the leaves off and put and replaced it with those beautiful pictures. And my wife wants to remind you that Denise wanted to let you know that in the small dome in the corner over there, you can pick up your picture that you brought. You can take it with you, okay? But it was a great retreat about digging deeper. And uh, thanks for going. And, uh, and don't forget, you know. If, by the way, men, if you want to listen to some great lessons, you can. Get, you can get those lessons. If, we want to hear, if you're married to one of these speakers, you want to know what your wife said about you? There you go. <laughs> Payback time. Okay. I'm getting two or three copies of Denise's lesson. Okay. I want to make sure I hear what she has to say. Um, also, I just want to say, if, if you've served in our uh, armed services or, or as a soldier or as a, in the Navy, Air Force, Marine, would you please stand? We just want to say thank you for serving our country. Thank you so much. All right. Amen. I know that to, I know tomorrow is tomorrow is Veterans Day, and uh, we won't get a chance to to let you know how much we appreciate your service. I live in a free country. I didn't have to go. I didn't have to go, and I didn't go. Uh, the war, Vietnam, ended just before I was eligible, and I remember uh, uh, weeping over that. And and uh, even today, I think about those who have served our country. You know, the rest of us. Uh, we, we have freedom because of, because of your service and, we, and people like you, so we thank you for that. Um, again, today we're talking, it's interesting that on Veterans Day weekend we're talking about peace, isn't it? Uh, and if you want to get your notes out, we're going to look. You can follow along up on PowerPoint if you like, or you can follow along in your notes. There's going to be a few verses that are up on the screen that are not in your notes because there's just not enough room. Uh, that's my problem. Um, but we're talking today about, about resolving everyday conflict, and we're, I want to talk about pursuing God's peace. I had somebody, uh, as I was reading and preparing uh, today's lesson, said that if you ever Google, if you ever just do a Google search of the word peace, 
you, you know, how many websites do you think you'd, you'd find? He goes, in a, and he said, you know, probably over a million or so. Well, uh, I did a search of that. I just typed in the word peace, and I found 190, 193 million websites and articles on peace. 193 million. Can you imagine that? Uh, that's a lot of articles and a lot of things about about peace. There's the Peace Corps. There's the Nobel Peace Prize. There's an article for that, a website for that. There's peace colleges. Peace, there's peace uh, endowments, peace gardens. There's, there's uh, things called peace institutes. There are peace protests. You'll find those on that list. There are women for peace, Jews for peace, Buddhists for peace, um, uh, rock concerts for peace, and even children for peace. I thought that was interesting. Kids want peace. Isn't that interesting? You know, why is, there so much, why is there so much focus on this idea of peace? It's easy. We don't have it. We, we search for it. We'd love to have some peace. Well, I think we say peace and quiet. Remember what about Bob? And, and Bob, you know, Bob is in the, the bedroom with the boy and they're talking about death. Bob, you're going to die. You are going to die. He goes, well... At least you don't have something worse. What's that? Tourette. And then they're starting to yell and scream, and then Richard Drivers runs in. He goes, will you guys be quiet? He goes, what do you need from us, Dad? I need some peace and quiet. And the kid goes, well, I'll be peace. And Bob goes, I'll be quiet. And they, they giggle. And maybe that's what your idea of peace is, is some peace and quiet. Because when you stop and think about it, our lives have a lot of drama, a lot of conflict. I don't, have you ever done this? You have your day planned out and you can't even walk across a room without an interruption of disruption. Something goes out of whack. And I, and I got to thinking, what are some examples of that? What are some places? And I found that I found personally in my life, there are three major sources of disruption or drama in my life. And maybe you'll identify with these two. And I've got them on your, your notes here. The first one. The first one has to do with my problems, I believe that's what it is. Am I right about that? Yeah, my problems. My problems is a major source of disruption. Because the world is broken, there's lots of problems. Lots of problems and, and things to be solved. In Job 3, uh, 26, look what Job says. He says here up on the screen, I have no peace. I have no quiet. I have no rest. And trouble keeps coming. He says, I'm tossing and turning. I just seem to, seem to never have any peace and no rest and no quiet from it. The second, the second source is my regrets. Well, you could say my past if you wanted to, but my regrets. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans 7 one time. He said that I have, remember this passage where he says, I want to do good, but what I want to do, I don't. I do the bad. There's, it's like a war inside me, and I'm losing. Here's how the psalmist says it. Look, at, look how Psalms 32 says. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. He's saying, you know, because of my regrets, because of sin, because of guilt, because of shame, I tossed and turned. I just don't have much peace. I'm, I'm, I'm in panic mode. Like Paul, I'm in this war, and I'm not doing well. It's disrupting my life. Then there's another, there's another source of conflict, and... And that's my relationships. I mean, and that's probably the bulk of them come from. Am I right? The bulk of the drama I have or the bulk of, I find, is the relationships I'm in. Friendships. Work, co-workers. Family. We're about to get into the holidays. And I've always joked every year. Remember the song by Andy Williams? Happy holidays. 
And I think, Happy Holidays. Why we say that? Because there's somebody going to lose their cool and a turkey leg is going to go flying across the room. You know, somebody, something happens. We come together with our family and sometimes we wish that the crazy uncle or the, the nutty niece would stay home. But relationships happen. Like, are you the nutty niece? Don't forget about that. Don't worry about it. Look at this. Look at this passage in Psalms. Sometimes relationships will cause this. Look what David said here. He says, I've lived too long with people who hate peace. I want peace. I try to talk peace. All they want to do is war. They, they, just want, they want to fight. They want war. You ever been around somebody like that? You know, no matter what you do, no matter how you try, they're going to be dramatic. They're going to have a problem with you. It's not going to be good enough. And as hard as you try, it's like they're just bent on being bent. And so it's a, it's a major source. Maybe it's at work. You've got a coworker or an employer or an employee that just gives you fits. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's your marriage. You know, I was joking with somebody the other day, uh, this morning, early this morning, I'm sorry, about the, bu- the bulletin cover. I said, that must have been taken at a marriage retreat uh, when the curtains were drawn in our room, Denise, because that looks a lot like us, you know. I mean, we're really going after it, you know. And uh, as, as wonderful as I believe my wife is and as wonderful as she thinks I am, we have those moments. They happen in marriage. They happen in, between, between siblings. Uh, relationships are a major part of conflict in our life. Now, I don't know about where your conflict is coming from, if it's coming from your past, if it's coming from a problem, if it's coming from a friend or a family member, uh, whatever it be. You know, if, if that's what's happening to you, i got good news for you. God wants you to have His peace. He wants you to have peace. Look what Jesus promised us here. Um, Look what it says here in John. Bring that passage up. There we go. I'm leaving you a gift. Here's what Jesus said. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. He didn't say peace and quiet. You know, Jesus, when he walked, you know, yes, when it was stormy, peace be still. And then he went back to sleep. Oh, he had peace and quiet. He, thought, he hit the weather like a snooze button. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, understand Jesus, the, the Prince of Peace, walked in a world full of problems and trouble. And yet, he had peace of mind and heart. See, look what he says here. And the peace I give isn't like the peace of the world the world gives. So don't be troubled and afraid. He says, look, don't be so worked up and, and worried about the problems and the trouble you have because the peace I give you is not like the world. So what's the, what kind of peace does the world give? Well, the peace of the world goes something like this. You know, I could have some peace and quiet if, if the, my circumstances would change. And the thing is, guys, the peace of God is not determined is not determined by the absence of your load in life, but the presence of the Lord in your life. That's the difference. That storm was happening there. You know, when you read the Bible about the storm in the boat, and Jesus was right in the middle of it. He's the one sleeping. Why? He has the peace of God. He is peace. He's the source of peace. He has peace of mind and peace of heart. And that's what God wants to give you this morning. Whether it be trouble inside, emotional trouble, or trouble with somebody that's emotional, God wants you to have this peace as a gift. He wants you to have it. And look, look what it says here in Romans fifteen thirteen. I pray that God, who gives hope, will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust Him. And notice this peace that He gives us, there's a condition attached to it. It's, 
it's, it's connected to this. It's connected to my commitment. It's, it's, con- it's, con- it's, con- it's connected to my commitment to God and my commitment to make peace. That's what I want you to understand this morning. That God wants us to have this peace, but it starts by trusting the Lord, trusting the Prince of Peace. That's why the Bible says in Psalms 34, seek peace and pursue it. Just go after peace and pursue it. Why? Why should I seek peace and pursue it? Why should I work for peace, as one translation would say? Why should I initiate peace? Well, let me give you four reasons to, as we introduce this whole series of resolving everyday conflict. This material, by the way, that I'm going through is not the same material we're going through in our small groups. So you want to get this small group material too. All right? Make sure you do that. Make sure you get in a small group or come on Wednesday night. It's, it's worth your time. Well, why should I seek peace and pursue? Well, number one, because God is a peacemaker. Peace is important to God. In fact, it matters to Him more than, than anything else. It's a high priority to God. Let me ask you, how important is it to have peace? How important, well, let me say it this way. How important is it to work out, thing, work things out with other people? How important is it to you to be a peacemaker? Now, I know some of you here this morning may be thinking, well, you know, I think it should be important, and I think you and Alan and Gary need to make sure it's important in your life because there's all kinds of stuff happening, and some of you know what I'm talking about. But I want to tell you this this morning. Let your elders encourage you to understand something. Before we worry about some other church, we better worry about ourselves. We better worry about this congregation. You see, before I can start with somebody else outside of this congregation, I've got to work on you guys. And before I can work on you guys, I've got to work on my family. Do you know my family? I've got to work on that. And before I can do that, I've got to work on me. And I hope you'll take that. Start with yourself first. We'll get to those others. We'll get to those places, and we'll find rest, reconciliation somehow. Okay? But why don't we start with us? Why don't we start with my relationship with God? Because it comes, peace comes from trusting Him. It starts there. And then, and by the way, I'll never be able to make peace with anybody else until I first have peace with God. And I hope that you, have, you can have peace with God. You can when you make a commitment to Him. But God is a peacemaker, and it's very important to Him. Look how important it is. Look at this passage in Romans 5. For if when we were God's enemies... I want you to circle enemies. Does that sound like a conflict? Yeah. <laughs> he says, I love this, when we were God's enemies, praise God, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, how, is important, how important is peacemaking to God? I want you to notice something. When it comes to peacemaking, God is the one that's wronged. God is the one that's betrayed. God has no, no reason to say, I'm sorry. And He's the one pursuing peace. Well, that's because mankind can't pursue peace. I, t- I think mankind won't. That's our tendency. How many times have you said this? I don't care what they think. I don't care anymore about them. And they've done this to me, and I don't care anymore. You go your way, and I'll go mine. You know, how many t- you know what God says? No. I don't want you to 
go your way. I want you to go my way. And so he comes. He makes the, the, the journey from heaven to earth to reconcile. I love, I love uh, the movie Tombstone. I don't mean you ladies like the movie Tombstone, but guys, I remember one, I, I, I'm wanting to do this. I'm wanting to have a, a tombstone. We're going to watch uh, Martin Chancey and I were talking. We want to have a tombstone party and eat tombstone pizza. Watching Tombstone. Yeah, what do you want in your tombstone? You know. He's no more. He lies here being shot by a 44, you know. So. But it, the movie Tombstone, Val Kilmer is just great at Doc Holliday. He's talking to a buddy of White Earps, and the buddy says, you know, I don't understand why. You know, I guess I could understand his brothers and all being hurt and being killed, that he'd want vengeance. He goes, White don't want no vengeance. He wants a reckoning. And the music goes, um, And don't you go, yeah, a reckoning. What's a reckoning? Isn't a reckoning like reconciling and reconciling? Reckoning means to, to, to set an order, to, to make even, to get even. You say, well, don't you reconcile your checkbooks? And you try to get all the things and you to, yeah, to make right. And see, I want you to know, Jesus isn't talking about, you know, angels are sitting there going, you know, I don't understand God being so upset. Because, you know, he took his son out. He wants vengeance. And some angel goes, no, he wants a reckoning. What do you mean? He, God wants to get us back? No. He wants to have us back. He wants to have us back. And so this idea of reconciliation, in fact, this word reconciliation, when he's talking about being reconciled, is not necessarily setting things in order and setting them right, but restoring something that's been lost. That's what it's about. It's about restoring the harmony that was once on this earth between God and man. That sin is destroyed. And see, God, and, and, and whose sin? God's sin? No, my sin, your sin. We're the ones that betrayed Jesus. We're the ones that have lied. We're the ones that put him on the cross. And he says, as the offended one, who's going to make this right? Who's going to make peace? I will. And how does he make peace? By dying. Look at this passage. Look at this next passage. For, for God, this is how important it is. Guys, we've got to get this down. This is how important peace is to God. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile, that means harmony, to harmonize, to himself all things, where the things of the earth are things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Do you understand? God did not send a delegation, a peaceful, peace, you know, delegation down to talk to us. He didn't send an army down and make us and break us so we would conform to him and we would surrender that way, like we give up kind of a thing. He didn't do that. He didn't even send an angel. What did he send? He sent His only Son. His only Son. And what did He do? He surrendered and died on a cross. When I was a young man, Vietnam was, was in full swing. And, you know, and we're getting, Danny and I are getting into high school. And my father has a talk with me. I don't know where we were. Somewhere on the farm. He struck up a conversation. Boy, what are you going to do? When they draft you. I said, well, I guess I'll join up. No, you're not. 
No, you're not. You're not going to have one of my boys get killed over there. You're going to Canada. And I go, Dad, I don't think I can go to Canada. Listen to me. You're going to Canada. Or I'll whoop you right here. And he grabs his belt. And I'm 17, 16. I'm going, Dad, I can't do that. And he's like, you don't understand. I will not have one of my sons lost in Vietnam. God, God's not like that with his son. He sees the mess we're in. He doesn't say, let's sweep this under the rug and let's ignore it like we do conflict. Right? We table it. We sweep it under the rug. We figure somebody else ought to take care of it. God is it that way. Our father's not that way. He goes, you know, I'm going to send my son and he's going to die over there. He's going to surrender to make peace. Not to surrender as I give up. God did not fight for you. He surrendered for you. It's so important to understand. That's how important it is. You know how hard it is to surrender? Men, do I know what I'm talking about? Honey, you're... You're... I can't say it. Okay, we'll do what... It's so hard to surrender. Am I right, ladies? You want to do what? I don't uh, No way. We're not doing that. You're not doing that. Jesus Christ. Peace was so important that he would not consider his own interests, but your interests, your plight. God put such, such a thing on peace that he, he would surrender to make it so. That's how important it is to him. Now, there's another thing, though. There's another reason why you and I should, should pursue peace. And, and look at this next point here. Because God wants peace to be my high priority, too. He just doesn't want to have me, to, you know, he have, it, have a high priority about peace, but he wants it to be a high priority in my life as well. And so, I, I look, uh, there's a passage up here. Look at this passage here that's up on the screen and on your notes. This is from Peter who had a lot of conflict in his life, would you agree? Constantly having conflict. Whoever would love life, and he quotes this Old Testament passage, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Did you, did you catch that? Look at that verse again. Peace is as important as telling the truth. Peace is as important as being morally clean. You know, a lot of Christians, that's our goal, isn't it? Most of Christian life, I hear most Christians talk about, not becoming like Christ, but staying out of sin. Staying out of trouble. Amen? You ever notice that? Hey, whole week went by, I didn't do, I didn't do it. That's great. That's fantastic. But there's more to it than that. There's more, much more than that. But he says, he says, you must turn from evil and do good. It's more important than being morally or ethically pure. He says, and do good. It's more important than doing something good for somebody. It's or just as important. What is just as important? Peace. Seeking peace and pursuing it. It should be on our radar. Look at it says here. What a passage. This is one of those passages a lot of us don't like. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, would you circle depends on you? As far as it uh, is as possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. 
Live at peace with everyone. You know what the Bible's saying there? I have a role in making peace on this earth. I have a role. I have a responsibility of making peace in the relationships that I have. And it says with everyone. You mean, you mean everyone? Everyone. Well, with the people that want to make peace with you. Yeah, that's, well, sure, everyone includes that. And those are the easiest people to make peace with. I'm a, I don't know how, how many times this has happened to me. Uh, we'll have people that will leave Greater Alton and then they'll come back. And we'll have a talk. You know, somebody will sit down, can I talk to you? Sure. And we go through the prodigal son study. Because here's a guy who left and came back. And we rejoice when people come back. Some of you have come back this year. And we are so excited. Am I right, church? Very excited. Yes. You know, and we know how hard it is to come back. Right? It's sometimes really tough. We want it to be easy to come back. You know, the prodigal said, why am I starving out here? My father's house is great. I know what I'll do. I'll go back. And I'll just say, I messed up. Well, somebody comes back and I'm sitting there talking one time. And I always ask, I said, look, what did we do? What happened? What did we do wrong? And I, I can tell you one time I've had somebody say, well, here's what you did. You did this, you did this, and you did this. You know what I usually hear? It wasn't you. It was me. You? Yeah. I just got out of the habit. I got my feelings hurt by somebody that goes to your church. And now they're not coming, so I can come back. Doesn't that sound so peace-loving? Amen. You say, oh, man, Tim. Or or they'll say, you know, I just, Tim, I blew it. I I was ashamed. And I finally went, I got to get back. I can't find any place like this church. I love this place. And and, uh, it wasn't you. It wasn't anybody in particular. It was me. It was me. Those are easy people to reconcile with. Would you agree? I mean, when someone comes up to you and says, listen, I want to start with, I was wrong. Are you going to have a good time? Is there going to be a pleasant conversation? Absolutely. It's rare, but it's nice when it happens, huh? But what about those people that don't want to get along? It says everyone. What about the people that don't want peace? What about the people that say, I didn't do anything wrong? What do we do with people who we've applied a thing called church discipline to? That until they repent, we really can't have any dialogue. What about those people? What do we do with those? What do we do with this? As far as it depends on you, live at peace. We don't hate them. We don't be bitter and jerks to them. We're going to see a little later that the destiny of others has a lot to do with whether I can make peace or not. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with, with everyone. Even the people that, that don't want to have peace? Yes. You see, Jesus didn't say, make peace with only those that make peace with you. He said, with everybody. And so, I'm, I, I have a responsibility. I need to put it on. That's how, that's how high the priority is, guys. That we, that we make peace such a priority in our life that even if somebody doesn't want it from us, that we'll still promote it. That we'll try, still try to make it. That we'll still be peacemakers. Not everybody's going to want to make peace with you. You hear me? Now, some of you go, good, because I don't want to make peace with them. Well, wait a minute. I'm not talking about that. But there's going to be some people that are not going to make peace with you, no matter what you do. 
And as far as it depends on you, you should make peace with him. Why? Because it honors God. He was a peacemaker, and he wants you to be a peacemaker. You know, I, I got to thinking about this a little bit. Look at this passage here in, in Matthew 5. This is, how, this is how much of a priority it is. It says, so when you offer your gift to God at the altar and you remember, and I want you to circle remember. We're going to come back to that word. And you remember. It doesn't say they remember. And one of the things that Alan's helped me understand the last 10 years is, Tim, you cannot deal with a problem you don't know about. But if you know about it, you've got to, you've got to deal with it. And guys, notice he's saying here that if, if, if you're giving your gift and you remember that your brother, circle brother, and sister, circle sister, has something against you. It's not that you have something against them, but they have something against you. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but I manage to, to offend somebody every Sunday here at Greater Alton. Um, it may not be the sermon, although, you know, if I say things like last week, you know, I say some terms. You say, what did you say? Get the CD, you'll find out. And so people look at me like, I can't believe you use that harsh language in the house of God. You use it in your house. You know, I'm, he hears it there too. So, But, okay, I understand. I understand that. But, but you know, uh, this, this idea that um, I, know I, I know I have offended some of you before in the past, but it's not been in the speech. It's been out there in the foyer. He walked right by me and didn't even say hi. I had my hand out. He didn't even shake it. I stood in line and waited to talk to him, but he didn't even say a word. He didn't even look my way. Oh, he did look my way. And he'd give me the stink eye. I was driving the other day down the belt line, and there was Tim, and I waved, and he didn't even wave. I'm driving. (laughs) You know, he hugged her. He hugged her, but he didn't hug me. I got news for you, folks. Not only do I offend some of you every Sunday, I manage to do it. Maybe I've already done it. You manage to, to turn some people off, too. Sometimes you turn me off, too. I catch your stink eye every once in a while. I catch you don't wave at me. You didn't say hi to me. See how ridiculous this is? And I, I, what I want you to understand is, is that I don't know when I'm offending you. And you don't know when you're offending me. But if I find out, you know what the Bible says to do? This is how important it is to God and how important He wants it to be to you. He says, stop worshiping me and go deal with it. Leave your gift of God. Stop and go deal with it. And then come and worship. Years ago, when I was in the kids' ministry, Ben West was in my group of kids. And, and, and what we called it back then was Bible Hour. And I, on purpose, we're trying to help the kids understand the word Bible and word hour, and Bible Hour is not boring. You put them both together, an hour of Bible? Boring. We had a blast back there. And some of you were back there when you were kids, when I was back there. Well, Ben was reading his Bible. He was a bookworm. And he's reading his Bible. I said, Ben, I'm talking here. Would you put your Bible down so we can, so you can listen? He goes, let me get this straight, Tim. And he raises his voice and looks around. 
this is Bible hour, and you want me to put my Bible down. And I go, yeah, and I want you to shut your mouth and listen to me. Okay, I'm closing my Bible while I was reading, and I'm setting it down. What's he trying to say? Tim, this is important. What am I trying to say? This is more important. When God says, stop what you're doing. Stop worshiping me. You want me to stop worshiping you, God? Are you sure? I mean, I'm in the middle of singing, and I remember this person. Really? You want me to do that? I want you to shut up and go deal with it. Okay, I'm shutting up. You don't want me to raise my hands? No, I'll strike you dead. Don't give me something to aim at. Okay. Why is that so important? It's important to God, and He wants it to be important to you. He, he said it's more important than worshiping Him. Now, I know it's important to worship. You know it's important to worship. But it's peace just as important. So much that you would stop what you're doing to take care of it. That's what He's saying here. And guys, I want to tell you something. When there's peace, when you notice somebody's got something against you, can I tell you what happens? Not only is your worship, it's hard to worship. You do, I bet you don't invite people to Greater Alton. Why would you want to bring somebody to Greater Alton when you're miserable too? Because you've got this issue with somebody else. It says, again, against when he talks about a brother or a sister, he's not talking about somebody outside. He's talking about somebody inside here. Some of you said, I'm not indicting anybody over here. And I'm not indicting anybody over there. But I just wonder sometimes if you're sitting over there because he or she is sitting over there. Why don't you, why don't you give it a look and see, are they there? Has that happened? You find yourself? And God said, stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. It, you know, stop worshiping me so you can reconcile. It's that important. It should be that important to you. Let me ask you something, guys. Don't you think there's enough churches fighting on the planet? I've got to confess to you, we've not been a safe church. We've not been a safe church. We're into, you know, I think sometimes we've created more drama than solved more drama. And, you know, we've got to learn. I've got to learn to let God work. To let God do some work. Because he works in mysterious ways. You know, last Wednesday we came together and we were just praying. Our leaders were praying for, the, for this Resolving Everyday Conflict series. And some of us were like, man, there's only 20 of us that night showed up. And so we start praying. And then I listen to Martin and Trisha pray. I listen, I listen to Kim Kiffmar pray. I'm like, this is good. God's working. God's working on me. You know, I, don't, I want Greater Alton to be a place that promotes peace. Promotes it. Promotes it. You know, guys, we don't get along with anybody. You know that, don't you? There's somebody you got somebody you, you don't get along with right now, and we got to learn how to. We got to learn. And we we have learned poorly from our world, from our families, from other churches. 
we've got to learn, figure this out. And, and God says, I want you to have my peace, but you've got to learn. And this REC stuff we're going to be covering the next several weeks in our small groups is going to give you and I the skills. It really is going to make a big difference. I'm very excited about this. And I hope you can be too. And I, man, don't look off in the distance and shake your head and wonder. Oh, guys, I mean, God, especially you, if you're doing that, God wants you to learn these skills. You probably suck at it. You probably suck at it. That's why you look around and, and stare off in the sky and look for cars going by instead of paying attention to what I'm telling you. We've got to learn this because there are people coming in our doors that are limping, people coming in our doors that are blind, and for God to heal them, it needs to be a place of people who are excited about healing people. I mean, today you're going to see in your workbook a bunch of people sitting at church and they're all grinning, but their captions say things like, I'm bothered with this person. I'm bothered with this issue. I don't know. How could she do that to me? How could he do that to me? And I know I look across this, and some of you, you've got people like that that are just occupying. They've, it's like they, they've rented your brain and they're taking over your emotions and they're pushing you around. And, God, and Jesus is saying, let me free you of that. Let me give you the skills to change that. But it's got to be your priority. It's got to be yours too. Number three, why should I seek and pursue peace and, and work for it? Because God blesses peacemaking. He really does. Blesses it so much. Yesterday as I was at the Egg and I, I was watching the, the video, the first video that many of you are going to see this week. And I just jotted down some thoughts. How does, how does it bless me? How does peacemaking bless me? How does pursuing peace bless me? Because it says God blesses those who work for peace. That's what it says. So how? You know, what are the ways he does it? Well, conflict becomes constructive, not so destructive. It becomes more constructive and not so destructive. You said, remember that Proverbs 27, 17? Maybe you've heard of this verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I remember one time speaking to a group of people that passage and I got my angle grinder out, my Makita angle grinder and a lawnmower blade. And I made sure the stone was turning the right direction. And I hit that steel and the sparks fly across and the first three rows, they're diving for cover. And I'm going, you know, when you're working with each other, sometimes it gets noisy and messy and it gets hot. I dropped the blade because it's hot. And that's the way it is. But you know, guys, conflict isn't supposed to end with destruction. It's supposed to have a... The Bible says it can be constructive. It can actually help us, help you and I. Help us learn how to honor God and honor one another. Helps us learn how to love God and love like God. But, but it's, I want you to know, when you, when you work at peace, God will bless you. He'll bless you by making your conflict with anybody more constructive and less destructive. Peacemaking will sharpen your people skills, I'll guarantee you that. When you focus this next X weeks, we're going to focus on sharpening our people skills. I think Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, when the axe is dull, it takes more effort to use it. And I think one translation says, so sharpen the thing, you fool. And a lot of times, I'll say it to me. I suck at this. I'm so bad 
at resolving conflict. And I'm not saying, oh, Tim, you're just, you know, just beating yourself up a little bit. No, I'm telling you, you be around me. Some of you who are closest to me know what I'm talking about. You, you say, boy, Tim, you just seem to run from it. Or when you do confront it, you go, you go way, over, way overboard. You fight. Ask my wife. And for some of us here, we're just lousy at this. And it's difficult. It makes everything we do with people and with others difficult. But if we just sharpen the skill, it'd make it so much easier. And this series, guys, not this, not this sort of the sermon series, but the, the small group material we're going to go through, I guarantee you, if you'll look at it, pray about it, talk about it, open up about it, it's going to sharpen your people skills. God's going to bless you when you work for peace like that. But also, it brings about great unity. And by the way, I want to make this clear. Unity without uniformity. I've been guilty of this for years. Thinking that we all needed to be doing the same thing the same way. It's taken a while for me to figure this out. You know, it's so obvious. Look around. God made everybody different. Why did He make you so different? You know, this week, Denise and I, and it, this really, this is the way the ladies' retreat week used to be for Denise and I. We'd work on our lessons some. And it always ended in a big old fight. And you know why? She's different. I'd say, well, here's what I would say. I don't understand. I wouldn't say it like that way at all. Well, how would you say it? I don't know. Help me. Well, I'm telling you this is the way I'd say it. She goes, I wouldn't say it that way. That, uh, type it in the computer. I type it in the computer. You misspelled that word. I know! <laughs> move it up. Move it down. Move it over. Move it. Take it off. I don't want it now. <laughs> You'd think I'd get it. You'd think I'd get it. My wife is different. Not just physically. Mentally, everything, emotionally, different. When she says something, she really means it. That's the truth. When she says it, she means it. She doesn't waste words. Me, I'm splattering them all over the place. <laughs> We're different. And because of that, we have conflict. Alan and I, Gary and I, the three of us, different. The way we approach things, the way we say things, different. I've had people say this, you're saying the same thing. No, we're not. He's saying that. He's saying that. No, and you're saying that. And Denise will say, they all mean the same thing. Calm down. And what I've learned is from, that God loves diversity. He, lo- he wants us to be different, okay? He wants us all on the same page when it comes to commitment to Christ. He wants us to have the same mind. You know, he, but, man, we've got to learn that being different is not necessarily wrong. Now, don't, don't read too much into what different means. Different doesn't mean, well, I stand here, and that may, I'm different there. That doesn't, well, I'm not talking about that kind of difference. You're different than what God wants you to be. That's a whole different thing. But, guys, some of us here, we're just, we're just different the way we are, the way we like things, the way we dislike things, the way we say things, the way we do things. And so making peace isn't, okay, if we get everybody to do the same thing the same way, then it's peaceful. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, two are better than one. Remember that passage? I've talked of thousands of times. It's one of my favorite. Use it in every wedding. Two are better than one. It says, if one of you falls down, the other one can help him back up. Did you notice I noticed there? Difference. One is on the ground, one's on his feet. When one, when, when one is cold, he keeps warm with another. Why? One is cold, one is warm. You see what I'm saying? That God implies it's, you're, diff, you're going to be different. Praise God we're, we're beginning. I say beginning. We're on the road to this. We've been on this road now for a couple of years now. But we've got to get this down. That, it, that we should respect each other's diversity. And God will bless, guys, God will bless us with greater unity if we'll just be working toward peace, working to work together. How many of you have been in the marching band? Raise your hand. Isn't that difficult? I, me, I played trombone. I didn't know. At one time, Mr. Wallace goes, Mr. Gill, yes. Do you know the difference between your right and your left? Yes, I do. Pick up a rock. Put it in your left hand. Now you'll be sure. And you know when you're when you're playing, you can't think of yourself. You've got to look around. Am I right, guys? You're looking around. You guys ever do formational marching? One time I got in the wrong spot, and I'm sitting there and I'm playing. And I'm the tuba player. I don't remember seeing you here. You must be in the wrong spot. There's a flute. What are you doing here? I'm in my spot. And I look over and there's a big gap where I'm supposed to be. And I look up in the observation tower. And there's Mr. Wallace going, like, Mr. Gap. You know, you, we're all different. We're all different, but you've got to look out for one another. You've got to watch for each other. You've got to respect one another. And peacemaking helps you do that, helps you accomplish that. It, 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 blesses, it blesses your relationship so much. Look at this passage in 2 Timothy 2. He says here, and I, I want you to know, I, I love this translation on this one, okay? It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. I, I've read that a hundred times, sure. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Absolutely. Pursue faith. And love and peace. Wow, wait a minute. I thought faith, hope, and love. And we got here it's faith, love, and peace. And then it says, and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. God blesses us to enjoy being together in His kingdom when we pursue peace. You see, I'm able to overlook my offenses when I learn this peacemaking skill. My offense, that when I'm offended, it doesn't dominate my emotions so much. I'm able to resolve my conflicts without losing my cool. I told you a couple weeks ago, I was trying to put this into I was telling Alan about this. I was trying to put these ideas into practice. Denise and I were talking, and, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going gonna to work on this. And for 30 minutes, for 30 minutes, I was doing it. And it was awesome. And then I crashed. Now, usually I crash right at the beginning. But for 30 minutes, I got to experience actual pleasure in a conflict. Oh, I wanted more of that. I want you to have more of that, church. God wants you to have more of that. Where you enjoy the companionship of different people. And you're able to resolve the conflicts. What a model that would be for our kids, huh? Our kids, if our kids could see how mom and dad solve everyday conflict and not be stupid, 
and be jerks to one another. Look at it says here, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What's he saying there? He says, when, I, when I'm a peacemaker, when I, when I make it uh, peacemaking, I work for it, make it a priority, God blesses it with righteousness. In other words, I don't know how you are, but when I'm, when I'm doing what God wants, because you're doing the will of God when you're, when you're trying to make peace. That's what God wants. And I like me better when I do what God wants. How about you? Don't you like you better? Doesn't it feel good and satisfying when you know I'm doing what God wants? I'm choosing this. Because if I wanted to, what I want to do, I'm not going to choose. I'm choosing what God wants. And it's just such satisfaction. What a clear conscience. What a sense of, of just satisfaction and confidence in going, this really is cool. And, it's, and the joy you find when you obey the will of God. I'm being like Jesus for crying out loud. This is really cool. I didn't think I could do this. I'm doing it for 30 minutes. That's better than no minutes. I at least got 30 of it done. Yeah, praise God. You see, the conflict doesn't become an obstacle anymore. It actually becomes an opportunity for personal growth. Here's the fourth one, and I'll leave you alone. Why should I pursue peace? This one really convicts me because peacemaking has eternal consequences. It really does. Look what Hebrews 12 says. Try to live peacefully with everyone and try to live holy lives because if you don't, you will not see the Lord. I always thought, well, he's talking about holy living. But he's connecting peace loving and holy living together. That peace loving people or, or living peacefully is, how, is one of the ways I live this holy life. And it has eternal consequences. Just like the peace that God established for you and I gives us eternity with Him when we die, there is eternal consequences for the peace that I make on this earth, whether I make it or not. You know, one time Jesus was talking to His disciples in Matthew 18, and, and He's telling them that how accountable they are to making peace. He says, here's a fellow who owes somebody a lot of money. If you add it up today, it'd be like owing somebody $10 million. And the fellow uh, that owes this money is approached by the bank, let's say, or a, a guy that loaning the money says, I want you to pay right now. He goes, I don't have the money. Oh, man, you go, I'm sorry, man. Please, please, uh, give me time. He goes, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll forgive the debt. He cancels the debt. He doesn't just give it. The guy can't pay it back. He cancels the debt. You're thinking, man, and he's excited, full of joy. And as he's walking down the street, he meets a friend of his who owes him a little bit of money, which is about ten bucks. Ten bucks. Hey, I need that ten bucks. I don't have it. It's like the guy didn't even hear himself. The guy's saying the same thing. Would you give me time? I'll pay it back, but I don't have it right now. You know, I'm unemployed. I, 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 I don't have any money right now. Give me, give, let me see what I can do, but give me some time. He doesn't give me any time. He throws the guy who owes him ten bucks in jail. And the fellow that, that he owed ten million to finds out about it. And he's not happy. And he confronts this guy. And look what he says here in Matthew 18, verse 35, 34 and 35. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned... Look at that. Did you catch that? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. You know, I don't know about you guys, but this don't sound like happy Jesus, does it? This, this sounds like the Messiah. This sounds like the Christ nature of, of, of Jesus, not the happy, loving, compassion. This is how my, you know, I, I'll say this, this is how, I can just see Jesus saying, this is how my, and we want to say, Heavenly Father. He said, this is how my Heavenly Father, he said, this is how my dad in heaven is going to treat you if you don't forgive from the heart. Guys, there's eternal consequences for you and I if we don't learn to find ways to make peace. We're all in the same boat on this one, huh? All right? Yeah. But there's another thing, and that is there are eternal consequences for others. What do you mean, Tim? Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God has given us this ministry of reconciliation. And he says, and he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. And we're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He says, you better start there and make sure you're reconciled to God. He says, but you are, you've been given the ministry and the message of reconcili- reconciliation for others. I want you to think about something. Is there somebody not going to heaven because you treat them so poorly? They're so bitter with church, so bitter with the Bible, so bitter with Christianity because of you? That they're so, they're so bitter by it and so caught up in it, they can't think of anything else but vengeance and not about the Lord. Paul's telling us we've got to become messengers and ministers and ambassadors of reconciliation. We've got to learn this. Why? Because, now by the way, there's going to be people, I believe this, guys, there's going to be people that are going to be turned off by church when you love them. Because you love them, you tell them something that's true. You tell them something they need to hear, and they don't appreciate it. And they go away bent and say, I was burned. I'm not talking about those kind of people. You've been like Jesus to them. I'm talking about the people you've been like a jerk to. What's going to happen to them? What will you do with them now? I've actually went back to folks before and I, I felt like I gave him a ticket to hell and I went back to try to make it right. Now, it's not about you feeling good. I've had somebody recently say to someone, hey, are you still going to be my friend even though I'm not coming to Great Ralton anymore? Sure, yeah. Good. I feel so good now. Well, I'm glad you feel good. It's not about that. It's not about, about somebody feeling good for leaving. It's not about that at all, guys. It's about honoring God and making peace and doing what's right. Because there's somebody I'm sure you know right now. You go, man, if I would have, maybe I should, I've got to find a way to reconcile, make that right. Because they're not even going to church now. They're not even in their Bibles anymore. And here's your opportunity. He says, He says, you're making Christ's appeal. He goes, you're making, what's Christ's appeal? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I'll give you rest. That is peace. But it starts by being reconciled yourself. So the question is, there's two questions I want you to think about. One of them you'll be answering in your booklet. Who is somebody I need to start trying to make peace with? That's one question. The other one is, where do I need to start? Do you need to start by making peace with God? Because it's going to be difficult for you to make peace with anybody when you have a conflict with God. You have a card in your bulletin. And the card is simply an opportunity for a, a, a prayer request, a comment, or a, or a decision you want to make. And I want to encourage you to, to try to refrain from a comment and make it more about a decision you're making today and a prayer request you're making today. I can't control you. You can't control me. And I just want to encourage you to, to look, though. What, God, what do you want me to do? Who is it I need to work, work on? Who does it I need to start making peace with? And, and let, me, let me encourage you to make a commitment to be, to be with us these next eight weeks. We're going to probably take a break Thanksgiving and break on Christmas weekend. But these eight weeks, and let's learn how to make peace. Maybe, that, Lord, help me make a commitment to do that. Um, give, me, give me the peace that passes all understanding so I can pass on to somebody else. Is there, is there somebody that you've got conflict with? Is there something, a problem that's causing conflict? Is it inside that you go, I made such a big mistake? Why not, why not put that on that card and, and let, the prayer, let the prayer team um, pray for you about that? They do not talk. They don't send your prayer card. They don't, they don't gossip about your prayer card. They haven't got time to gossip. They, they spend their time talking to the Lord about your issues. Why not use that? We have a team of people that actually do this. They pray every day for you. Take advantage of that, all right? We're going to pray and then sing a song giving you a, ch- a chance to write out this, your card, if you will. And then, and then we'll sing another song and take up our cards along with our weekly uh, contribution. I want to remind you, if you're a guest here, you're under no obligation to give. Okay? We didn't bring you here. We don't think you're here to, to get something from you. We want to give something to you. So we hope you've been blessed today. Let's pray.